You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered. Today we're going to have Giants pitching coach Andrew Bailey, Glenn Kuyper, and Bip Roberts. But we'll start with the former Rookie of the Year and the All-Star for the A's and now doing a great job as the pitching coach for the San Francisco Giants who have the best record in Major League Baseball. Boom, boom with us on A's Cast Live. Well, I got to tell you, Andrew Bailey, it is great to see you. It has been a long, long time. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great, man, and enjoying my time back in the Bay Area and uh, just living it up. You know, uh, when you walk back in here and you think about the success that you had as a rookie, as an all-star, what's it like for you when you come back to the Coliseum? Uh, nothing but great memories, man. Uh, my wife and I loved our time here living in the East Bay and, and going to work every day, and, and we thought about moving out here permanently and, and then obviously – you know, the course of your career changes, you get traded, but I uh, always love coming back here, and the guys always joke with me when I come back here, and, and uh, oh, the, the house that Bailey built, and I'm like, nah, far from it, but uh, no, but my my uh, my three years here, I enjoyed every single second of it. Uh, it was my first taste of the big leagues, and, and really enjoyed the, the atmosphere, and just the, the team um, from from the players' perspective is just different than, than every or, or other organization, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. It reminds me a lot of just like that summer ball feel. You come to the yard, you do your work and you go win ball games and, and if you, you think about it here we are in 2021 nothing's changed no it's great man it's that great feel you know i love it you got some uh looks like you got some uh golden road and and you got the tree house now so yeah you got so some different places up there's got. this great bar that, that it looks like a tree house so yeah they, they put some money into these different decks yep so they're experimenting for when we do get a new ballpark okay. of different things to put in a new ballpark fair fair i got you so it's a I little bit different but when i think about how the clubhouse is still loose yep when you look around, there's still security people who are here when you played. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great thing about when you come back to Oakland. It's like it's still always going to feel like home. It, it's that family, man. I, I walked in here past four or five different security guards, and, and they all say hi to me. They remember my name and the grounds crew, and uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. I, I just enjoy coming back here. And, you know, when I think about your guys' success right now, it's been pretty incredible. I yeah. mean, you've really been the most – consistent team we were just talking with david forrest the general manager about how the american league no one's been consistent mm-hmm. you're either on a streak up on a streak down everybody's all over the place it's a roller coaster ride yeah. talk about the consistency you guys have had in san francisco yeah i mean i just think from from day one guys have bought into what they're really good at and, and we've gone out and executed on that and and um haven't changed much and and just as a coach you know instilling confidence in your players consistently and um you know i i just say as many we just want to stay out of the gutters. You know, you want to keep them in the lane, going down, moving straight as and forward as often as possible. You want to stay out of the gutters. So um, just try and try and keep guys in, in the lane and, and move them forward. And um, just the clubhouse is awesome. Cap's done a great job. Obviously, Farhan and Scott putting the roster together. It's it's a deep offensive team. And on the pitching side, we're deep too. And the acquisitions we've had the last two years have, have really um, came and been successful. What just floors me is the season you guys have had, 
and yet everybody still wants to go, ah, oh, the Dodgers. <laughs> you know, the yeah. Padres are now falling off. But yeah. everybody doesn't want to believe in you guys. Why That's is that? That's okay. That's okay. I mean, I think when, what is it, 10 or 11 straight division titles, something like that, I mean, it's it's uh, – it's a it's a tough brand to, to uproot, and um, you know they're a great team over there. Uh, we enjoy play, enjoy playing them. I think they bring the best out of us, and you know there's always that little rivalry there, and, and they've done it for so long. Um, so I we totally understand those expectations being there on them, and we're we're enjoying it and just you know just staying on the radar, doing our thing day in and day out, put our head down and go to work. You know when I think about the technology and I think about the science that's in the game now, mm-hmm. from a pitching coach's standpoint. Versus when you used to throw off this mound over here, you didn't have all those cameras and all that rap soto and that stuff. What has that been like for you going from a player to a coach and now having to use all this technology? Yeah, I, th- I think for me it came at the tail end of my career uh, being in New York and, and rehabbing. Um, kind of had to re-identify myself a little bit. Um, and when I had shoulder surgery coming back, needing to know where I was at and starting to understand pitch movement and shapes and those kinds of things. So I had it at the tail of my career, and, and I would say just from that alone, um, probably got another year, year and a half, two years maybe, um, just from understanding who I was analytically and, and from, from movements and velocity and coming back from injury. And, and obviously as a coach, you know, there's, there's a fine line between it, and it's not for everybody. Um, but having a, an understanding of who you are as a pitcher is, is your identity and, and what you do really well and, and sticking to your strengths at all costs and um, leveraging your best pitches, at, at, you know, almost all the time. So um, for me, it's, it's been a little bit of a change from, from obviously from a player to a coach. And for me, um, just being that conduit of information from the analysts to what we see on the field to the player has has been really my job and and what I've been doing since I stopped playing. How do you know when a player really gets it? And maybe for some guys, it's just not for them. It's like, get on the mound and throw. Yeah. Like, I, how, how, <laughs> how, how, how do you understand which guy, who, who's it for and who's it not? Yeah, I mean, we still throw old school bullpens, we would call them, you know, no tech and just naked, go out and, and, and throw and, and get that feel back, you know. And, and sometimes you need that. Sometimes it can be a little much, um, you know, and, and you kind of know each. And the, the, the coaching foundation is, is creating relationships with players, you know, from, from Jump Street, and that's never going to change. Um, so understanding who who each player is and and what works for them, what doesn't, is is really the foundation of, of coaching and um, understanding when guys need a break from it, when guys need more, who understands it, who's too much, who's deep into information, um, who can value a little bit more. So um, there's ebbs and flows of it for each and every guy. And um, but yeah, it's ab- absolutely a staple in what we do. You know, so we were just taking on the Chicago White Sox, right? And you threw hard back in the day. Mm-hmm. Everybody coming out of the bullpen is throwing 99 <laughs> to 100. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I mean, from the sixth inning on, yeah. every guy can hit triple digits. Yeah. Just how much has velocity changed that you've seen over the years? Yeah, I mean, I got, I can only imagine it stemming all the way down to high school, right? It's, you know, I mean, when I was in high school, it was 84. If you hit 85, it was like, oh, man, you know, and <laughs> you weren't going to college unless you threw 90, and now it's like 95-plus. But, uh, yeah, I was actually joking with the, the White Sox pitching coach yesterday. He was, he was our assistant last year, Ethan Katz, and – I was like, man, you guys uh, got some arms over there. So uh, when when Kimbrel's throwing the eighth for you, it's a pretty good place to be. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's nuts. It's it's a great it's great for baseball. I mean, uh, you know, Chicago White Sox. You know, it's a rich organization, and they're winning ball games right now. And um, you know, I mean, you know, root for him, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy the velocity they have over there. Yeah, Liam obviously 
came on this program a lot. Yeah, Liam Liam loves to talk, so <laughs> we'd have him on all the time. And it was just it just shows you where baseball is today. Is you know, as we grew up as pitchers, our pitching coaches always told us go deep in games. You yeah. want to go as deep, and, and we can preach that all we want. But now we don't want our guys going through the third time through the lineup. Just talk about how you want to tell your starters to think long, but you know in the reality the the hook's probably coming pretty quick. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think if if you look at the numbers between the third and the fourth time, you'll be astonished that the fourth time through is better than even the first and the second. So usually when guys are cruising um, – you know, the fourth time through is even better because usually there's your aces and the guys that have their stuff that day. So uh, the third time through is definitely tricky, and I think that's why Emo does an amazing job. I mean, Emo was, was my double-A pitching coach, and uh, the relationship we have and still have, and, and we're always talking in the off season during the season when we're playing familiar opponents, and uh, just the feel for the game is never going to get old, and, and that's one of those things you really can't, you can't quantify in-game um, yet anyway, right? Like once Hawkeye starts building up, we can, but like – I, I just think the feel for the game, understanding your pitcher, creating relationships to have that communication in game. Like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Can you go one more? You know, I got a couple hitters left. Whatever that communication is, uh, it's been great this year for us. It's been working, and uh, Cap's got a, a, an un- unbelievable feel for the game on when to pull guys, when to not, and when to push, and uh, when they've had enough. Emo's got great. Dallas Braden minor league stories. <laughs> yeah. I got great Dallas Braden big league stories. <laughs> Emo's we'll the, go to the treehouse for that one. <laughs> Emo's one of the best. We, we love having him on. And, and, you know, we were just talking to Susan Slusser about Gabe Kapler because I had him on at the winter meetings mm-hmm. in San Diego. But my, my old talk show mm-hmm. – and when he was on Fox Sports, I used to have him on all the time. Oh, nice. And we would talk, you know, because he was a national baseball guy. We would get into nutrition. I mean, it's like that. He's he really is. And I know I, I think he's gotten a bad rap because I think yeah. he's a fascinating guy. Oh, What's it like to work for him? Uh, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, obviously, I think he's got a bad rap too. I I've learned so much from him on on just how to be a leader. Um, you know, it's what he does day in and day out. How much he takes on his plate throughout the whole or the whole organization is is astonishing um you know and just it, just respect him as a leader it's it's unbelievable um straight up conversation 24 7 not afraid to call you out um you know be the, be there if you need to talk to him and um just a great baseball guy and and uh he's got his 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 routines and uh everything nailed down and um just guys respect that people follow the leader and they take on who their leader is and to me, him being so mentally strong, mm. you know, when he really – about the players' emotions and how the players are feeling, how much has he brought that to the Giants, this mentality, and and, and why you guys – in the end, one of the reasons why you got the best record, you're mentally tough. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think it goes back to, to what I was saying about, you know, creating relationships with guys. Um, you know, he talks a lot about – Anytime you remove a pitcher, anytime you pinch hit for a pitcher because of a handedness or whatever that is, that's a little bit of an ego blow to a big league player. Um, and we we pinch hit the most in, in all of baseball, and, and we're, we're not afraid to, to, to match up and let our guys go three batters and pull them. And, um, but the sustainability of that is due to the relationships that he creates with his players, and, and I think guys respect him because, for me, he's an unbelievable leader. 
Well, we always appreciate your time. It's great to see you yeah, again. Yeah, good to see you. Absolutely. It's tough to look at you in that in that <laughs> San Francisco stuff, to be honest with you. You're always going to be in yeah, A-game. Yeah, I, I, I love my, my time here, and, and uh, we'll see what happens down the road, you know. Hey, well, thank you so much. Awesome. And good Thanks, luck to you. Good luck to you guys the rest of the way. Appreciate it. It was great seeing him. Haven't seen him in a long time. And you know we love G-Kype. He is the face of A's television. You see him on NBC Sports California. Here is Glenn Kuyper. Starling Marte has been just absolutely dominant. He's he's no Glenn Kuyper, but Starling Marte has been pretty darn good. It's like every single night or every single day I'm watching NBC Sports California, and I'm hearing – Glenn say, well, perfect on stolen bases again, 17 for 17. I I didn't know we'd get Ricky Henderson again, Glenn. He's been awesome, hasn't he? I mean, Super fun to watch. I was just talking to the manager about him, and he was like, man, this guy's – I like – you know what I like when he gets on? He doesn't wait around, doesn't mess around. I'm gone. (laughs) And I think the A's are kind of giving him the green light. You want to go, go. I, I, I think only guys who played baseball would understand this. But the way he's been playing, right, hitting 348, 14 home runs, eight doubles, an 897 OPS, a 152 OPS plus, 14 runs, 17 for 17. It's like he's playing American Legion. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> the way he's playing, it's like, it's like you know, that, that the high school kid who's like a, a monster athlete, right? super fast and just can do whatever he wants in the field and you're like wow i mean this kid's like eight times better than i am that's the way starlight Marte's playing i mean he wrecked havoc this weekend the problem with this weekend was every time he stole a base and got in scoring position we couldn't get a big hit Ugh. right so you know the stolen base thing is twofold it, you get the stolen base but then somebody needs to get a big hit yeah, although he did he did score on the when he went to third and and the ball yeah. rolled. That's true. He, did he score. scored his own He run. scored on his own, exactly. Let me give you another analogy. It's like in football season, he rushed for like three TDs and had a couple picks against you. Then during basketball, yes. he averaged like 25 yes. against yeah. you. Absolutely. And, and then he goes out in baseball, and you can't get him out. And, and at the same time, baseball season, he's leaving to run track. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. He's the champion in hurdles. Hey, uh, when Starling's track beat, because first pitch is at 105. He'll be here. Don't worry about it. Yeah, hitting with it's runners. Great. Last eight, so they've lost six of eight, and hitting with runners in scoring position, a buck sixty-one. Yeah, they just cannot find that big hit, and really, it's been it's been an issue a good portion of the year. Um, there's been times where the hits have come, but not not really consistently, and and then when you lose tight games, then it it shows up even more. You know, it, it's more obvious to you. And then when you lose tight games like this weekend, then it's like, ah, you know. So it's been an issue most of the year and in lately big time. So, um, you know, that's going to need to that's going to need to change. But listen, that you know, I talk to fans about this. We're at the point now in the season where you have to ask yourself, is it going to change or is this just the way it is? I mean, there's only five and a half weeks left in the baseball season. So is something drastic going to change? Yeah, it could, but maybe it won't. And then you just got to you got to just pitch and catch the ball and hope you score enough runs. May not be blowing people out a lot. That's all right. And I know A's fans are going to hate me for this, but just you know, watching the series over the weekend, 
and watching late inning at bats where I'm watching Matt Olson squib it down the first baseline or squib it to third base or Jed hitting it back to the pitcher or Seth Brown taking three straight called strikes. But yet I'm watching the Giants come up late and they're they're going up there to do damage. Late in the innings offensively, they look like two different teams, especially the way the Giants utilize their pinch hitters. Yeah, yeah, and they have a they do have a, a plan when they go up there, and it's pretty obvious. And you know, there's there's something there's something to what they have done this year. It's not it's not a fluke. They got three hitting coaches. And they got a group of people behind those hitting coaches that are doing a lot of analytical work. And I think it's probably a larger group than most teams have. And from what I'm hearing, it's a large group, and they funnel loads of information into those three coaches. Each coach has his group of hitters, and they get after it. And I think there's something to it, and obviously it's working. Well, as we know in baseball, or really in every professional sport, it's a copycat league, right? The Rockets were the first ones to start bombing threes. The Warriors perfected it. Mm-hmm. Now everybody does it. Yeah. So I would not be shocked if people look at what the Giants are doing. They go, bigger coaching staff? I mean, it's not that much more money that you're adding. I mean, yeah. and the Giants got the money. And I can, it, see, I can it, see other teams going, why not? And if it works, then it's whatever you're paying is worth it, right? I mean, if you're paying a staff – you know, I don't know how many. I'm, you know, I don't know, but whatever you're paying them, it's worth it if it helps your team win, um, and it certainly has with them. You know, and I was thinking of this weekend, two crushing losses, right? We all know that. But I thought, you know what? The A's did this to the Giants last year. Crushed them last year. Remember over there? Yeah. Giants had a five-run lead going to the ninth in the first game of that series last year. A's came back and win. The very next day, the A's are down three in the ninth <laughs> and come back and win. Yeah. And the Giants missed the postseason by one game. Just came full circle. Gut punches over there last year. Gut punches here for the A's this year. Welcome to the rivalry, I guess. Yeah, e- e- even though the A's came up short, <laughs> I-, I-, I think for someone like yourself who – Last year you were here, whether it was a home game or a road game, it was just a big empty stadium with cardboard cutouts. You didn't even get to see the cardboard cutouts because you were looking at the back of the cardboard (laughs) cutouts. Uh, Just for you as a broadcaster to have the energy and all the people back in the park, what did that mean to you? It was super fun. I mean, it really was. It was disappointing, you know, the outcome, obviously. But, boy, there's a lot of energy. And, and, you know, you you have a decent amount of Giants fans. And then the A's, so it's this mixed energy that just, it's its pretty intense. And so, yeah, I mean, it's fun. You know, it, it, and what happens then, you know, it's disappointing when tonight you're going to see a small crowd, unfortunately, and then you're going to miss what happened on the weekend. And I was talking to my brother today, and we were talking about the series, and he said, you know, he said, you know what I missed most? He said, because they did the game from the studio, right? He said, I really wished I could have been at the Coliseum. Because he said, when you're sitting in the studio, you don't feel the energy or the excitement that you have at the ballpark. And he said, that's the thing I, I, I was kind of bummed about is that we were not able to be at the Coliseum just to feel the energy in all three games. So I said, well, 
I felt it, and it was it was good up until the ninth inning. And then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, kudos to you because you know watching you every single night, I, I don't I don't get the sense, and you know. I'm, I'm keeping score. I'm keeping track of every pitch. I'm into everything. I don't go, oh, I can tell they're in the studio. So that's kudos mm-hmm. to you guys and, and the professionalism that you guys have had the last couple of years. But just kind of take us through, like, what your brother was dealing with. What is it like over there in San Francisco in the studio? You just got monitors in yeah, front of you. Yeah, and it's – listen, it's – I think we have made the best of it. It's not great. Um, it's not – it's not easy to do a game, but we're sort of used to it now. Um, but we're basically, we sit in a room, a desk basically like this, like we're standing at right now, either Dallas and I or Ray and I, and there's a big monitor in front of us, and then there's two smaller monitors on each side of them. So we have what we call the program monitor, which is what we're really calling the game off of. And then on each side of that monitor, the big monitor, there's two smaller monitors that have an all nine cameras, what we call it, and that shoots the whole field from up in the press box. So you get to see all the, you know, where the defenders are and where the runners are going and you know, and that's it, you know? So you sort of adapt to that, but what you don't have is you don't have that enthusiasm. You don't have the excitement. You hear the crowd, but, you know, so you sort of feel like you have to make your own enthusiasm and make your own energy. And that's really hard to do when you're sitting in a, in just a little room, you know, a 20 by 20 room, you know, so. But hopefully next year we'll be back traveling. I don't know that for sure. I hope so. But we've just tried to make the best of it this year. And if, if we hope that it sounds okay to the to the viewers. Sounds it's, great. It's very important to us, and, and we're trying. And, you know, there's, there's mistakes occasionally, and there's some technical things that make it difficult to do, but – um, you know, we, we, we think that we've done a pretty good job of just here's the game. Hope you enjoy it. We're doing it from the studio, but that's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll get it to you, and, and, you know, then you can decide if it's, uh, you know, how the, the telecast is. But we got a great crew. You know, the Delaire and the guys are t- terrific. So, hey, it is what it is. Have the screens ever gone blank? They have not gone blank. Occasionally, something funky will happen, and you just kind of just got to sit there and wait it out. I mean, there's you know there's not a lot you can do. It doesn't do any good to pan. I mean, you're live. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, it's the way it is. So we've had a few funny things happen, but um, not not too bad. Not too bad. It's a pretty good setup over at NBC. The people in the office have done a great job. Um, and it's new to them, too, you know. We sort of, you know, when, when we go in there to do a game, you know, there's a A's pregame show going on. There's a Giants pregame show going on. There's a Giants game going on from the ballpark, but all their people are there, and then our game comes on. So there's a lot. You know, it, it's a busy place and a lot of a lot of production going on. But Well, yeah, you had NBA at one point. Now, yeah, now absolutely. Now you're going to have hockey starting Absolutely, up. yeah. In, in April, it was super busy, even in, the, in the May a little bit. Yeah, there was a lot going on there, but um, now it's just baseball. But, yeah, it's it's been fine. It's been fine. I, I don't know that I want to do it again next year, but if that's what they tell me to do, then that's what we'll do. Well, I got to think, you know, all these years you've been doing these games that when you're at the game, you pretty much know when a guy gets it, yeah, it's out of here. Have you mastered yet being on TV, being in the studio, guy hits it, you know or not, it's got a um, shot? That's a good question, Tony. No, I would say no. What, what, 
what I do, I don't know what other guys do, but you just have to wait a little longer. Um, when you're here at the ballpark, you usually see the swing, and then you usually look at the outfielder, right? Is he running back hard, fast? Well, that means it's probably gone. Is he drifting back? That means it may not be gone. But when you're doing it off a monitor, you see the ball, but you don't see the outfielder. Unless you want to look at the all-nine camera, then you can see it, but it's smaller, right? It's, it's, you know, it's tighter. So, no, I have not mastered it. The only thing I do now is just wait. Just got to wait maybe an extra second or two. That's, that's really the only thing you can do. You know? Or so. if the guy hits it and he pimps it, then you know. <laughs> yeah, one, once in a while. But, you know, I've been caught, too, where, where somebody does do that, and it's like, oh, that one, yeah. Okay, maybe not. But what can you do, you know? You know what, I, I, I got the, this is what I always say, Tony. It covers me. Must have got it off the end of the bat a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. D- didn't get yeah. it on the barrel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, these. You got to have a cover, man. You got to have a cover. This this series right here, obviously Seattle comes in playing good baseball. Yeah. They're chasing the A's. Yankees have won, what, nine in a row, taking on the Braves have won nine in a row. They're going to come in hot. Yep. How big – I said it yesterday on the postgame show. Let, let's just, like, a, a checkpoint, see where the A's are after Sunday. How big are these next two series? Well, yeah, I mean – you know, the, the, the Mariners, you look at them statistically, and there's nothing that jumps out. There's really not. Um, but they, 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 they have some grind in them. And, hey, they're only three back. And these two teams, the A's and the Mariners, still play nine times this year. So there's, there's an opportunity there for them that they know. So you got a day game tomorrow, and then you got a day off after 15 straight. So, yeah, this is big. Get to the day off. Regroup a little bit. And, and then the Yankee thing's going to be great. I mean, it's going to be super exciting. And you better be ready to go because those big boys will come in swinging the shillelagh, as they like to say. Yeah, they're not, a, uh, they're not afraid to take No, backs. no, they will not be laying down any sacrifice bonds. <laughs> and they're not worried about the marine lair either. No, no. But you know what? It's fun. I mean, I, I, I like when the A's play good teams. It's, it's just more entertaining to me. I can't wait for, you know, the Yankee series because it's a hot team and, and it you, you really just like, hey, the A's need to be they need to be playing well. But really that's what you want this time of year, you know? It's something that's interesting and you get get a crowd in here. So so I've been looking forward to this whole homestand and but yeah, you you don't want you don't want to sleep on this little two game series. Let's end on this. If you had one wish for this A's team going forward, what would it be? Um, well, I, I think I think the starting pitching needs to get straightened out a little bit and get back to six, seven innings from the starter. Because when that happens, everything falls into place a little bit. But now Bassett's out. You know, Manaya's been struggling. Um, you know, so you know, all of a sudden you're like, okay, we got enough here. You know, so... Uh, they're going to need a lot from Cole Irvin. They're going to need a lot from Frankie, and he was great yesterday. Um, you know, Caprillion, these guys are going to have to step up, and instead of going five or six, they're going to need to go six or seven because um, the bullpen's been used a lot. But the bullpen's fine if you can go six, seven innings from the starter. So I think that's a major challenge for the A's, especially after you lose Bassett. But I think I think that's a that's a big thing in the last five and a half weeks. Starters have to hold up 
like they have all year, but they have to hold up without their ace. So you're asking a lot, but it needs to happen. You know, I don't want to get too emotional here, but it's kind of been the double whammy for you. Uh, obviously, with your brother, uh, you and Ray, I think, what, it was like your 15th? Or 18th. 18th yeah. year? Yeah. God. Uh, it's been a tough year for you. These people are very close to you. You've yeah. known them for your entire – obviously, you know your brother. You've known Ray's for, for, for so long because yeah. your, your brother played with Ray. Uh, just been a really tough year. Well, listen, yes, it has. I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me. Um, but no, it's not fun. I mean, I think about it a lot. You know, I mean, my brother means a lot to me. He's sort of like a, a second father. He's 13 years older than me, and I've always looked up to him a lot. Um, yeah, he's doing better. You know, I mean, I see him some, which is good, and he's starting to feel better, so that's good. He's got a little more chemo to go yet. Um, so hopefully, you know, when the season's over and the chemo's done, you know, he gets a good report. You know, that's sort of what we're, we're praying for. You know, and Foss is just a, you know, I mean, what can you say? He's our guy. Um, and I know he's back in Arizona. I haven't heard a lot from him because that's just the way he is. He, he, he's going to fight this on his own, and I understand, and I'm fine with that. Um, but I hope he's doing great. You know, I, I know it's a tough time right now. Um, but, yeah, it's been weird. It's, it's, it bums me out when I think about it, so I try not to think about it. But, it, you know, here's two bay area broadcasting icons right and now they're both sick and i have a pretty strong relationship with both of them kind of stinks but you know i, I you know I, I have good thoughts about Dwayne. i think he's going to be okay and you know we have our fingers crossed with foss as well yeah i remember when uh, ray and i went out to heritage plaza absolutely to do the yeah. interview at his plaque and your yeah. brother's plaque right is, there. they're right next to each other yeah two years they were together 76 and 77 and their lockers were very close to each other as well so they they have good stories they have good stories but and you're throwing that guy dennis eckersley <laughs> you know eck was in the eck was in the corner of the locker room and buddy bell and Rick Manning, and they were all in that in that corner of the old Indians locker room, and they could tell some stories, man, I tell you. Well, thanks so much all for right. coming down. We always appreciate it, and we'll be watching tonight, NBC Sports California. All right, thanks. And you know what? I listened to you the last couple nights, and I know the fans are frustrated and ticked off, but it's all right. Five and a half weeks yet. You got to forget that. You got to forget that it was the it was the Giants that did it. Series is over. Move on because you got a really important six games coming up against the American League team. 37 games left. That's it. Go get them. Have a good call, my friend. See you, buddy. From the guy in the booth to the guy in the studio, one of my favorite players of all time. I grew up watching him. I love the guy. I've gotten to do so much with him professionally, so much respect for him. The former All-Star, the kid from Oakland. You see him on A's pre- and post-game live on NBC Sports California. Here is Oakland's own Bip Roberts. Bip, you know we love having you on the program. How are you, buddy? Man, Tony, I am living the dream, as people say, man. It's beautiful California right now and covering the A's. I mean, I'm just a kid in the candy store right now. Just how much fun has it been for someone like yourself covering this team for NBC Sports California since the trades were made and truly changed the lineup? It's been it. Tony, exciting to the max. You know, for a long time, we've covered the A's, and we've never had a talent like Starlin Marte show up. A guy that takes you – here's a guy that could play in any era because he's got a short, quick bat, and he can stay inside the ball. He used the entire field, but 
use his speed, find ways to get on base, play a great outfield. He's a throwback player playing at today's age. And you see what type of talent that is that we haven't seen in so long? We saw the home run or the strikeout. But to have a guy like this who can play in every era has totally changed the face of this ball club in just two weeks. The two weeks he's been here, he's been one of the best players I've seen with the Oakland A's in probably the last 10 years. And, and you think about just how tough he is to defend because of everything you just said. He can hit, yeah, he yeah. can bunt, he can run. There's so many different things, you know, top, you know, and, and it's really like the guys you played with and you uh, played against back in the day where you, you speed comes to the ballpark and you put pressure on the defense. And that's what he does. Yeah, yeah. Just talk, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like he could have been playing with you in the eighties. Oh man. You know, he reminds me of Marquise Grissom a lot because Marquise could use the entire field. He could hit with some power. He's still your 70, 80 bags a year. And he was a gold glove center fielder. And, you know, it's just one of those things where in our era, we had a lot of guys who played that way and they were successful. And then baseball changed its way of home runs and strikeouts. But Marte, he just, he's a throwback to me. And when I watch him play, it just excites me to see a guy who can do everything. You know, watching the other day, hits the ball hard to right field. Then he comes up late in the ball game, and he gets a slider inside, and he just drops the bat head on it and hits it out the yard. Just doing the little things with the bat. He's quiet lower, with the lower bottom, and he stays inside the ball, and he hits the ball where it's pitched. He lets the ball travel deep, as we always talk about as hitters, and he just serves the ball where it's pitched. He looks fastball, and he adjusts the breaking ball. You don't see him many times take a fastball right down the middle because he's not, he's not a guest hitter. He has an approach. He sticks to his approach every day, and that's what professional hitters do. You know, I, I, I never had the opportunity to steal a lot of bases because uh, I didn't have the foot speed like you did, Bipster. But I, I, I'm thinking, you know, when he gets on first base, everybody knows he's going. What is that like? Because I know you were able to do that. What is that like when everybody in the ballpark knows you're stealing second base and they can't stop you? It just pumps you up. You can hear the crowd basically saying, go, go, go. And then all of a sudden you get this extra adrenaline flow and you're like, I'm getting ready to go. Let me pick a pitch that I can go. When I watch it, but see, back then we had the slide step and we had pitch outs. Tommy, when's the last time you've seen a pitch out? <laughs> In case you tell. <laughs> when's the last time you've seen a pitch out? Well, they, 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 pitch they, out I, I'm telling you right now, there's kids listening right now that go, what's a slide step? <laughs> and what's a pitch out? They don't do that anymore. So right now, he's caught the game at a good time where guys like him can take advantage of this. I mean, he is running every time he gets on base. And, yeah, we had a close play at second base yesterday, but he was safe, you know. And, and the bottom line is that here's a guy, again, that catches this era of baseball kind of at that point where they're starting to look again and go, we need athletes on the field. And the A's did that. They got Josh Harrison. They got Marte that go along with the other guys who are capable of doing the job. So they just added some real timely pieces that make this team look more athletic than it did at the beginning of the season. How would you handle relievers today? Because they're not even looking at you. Like, they do not care. They're not worried about holding you on. They just want to strike everybody out. How would you deal with that as a base dealer? 
I go every time I got an opportunity, you know, you sit there and you just pick up a guy's tendencies. You know, they look at you one time, then they go to the plate, then they look at you two times, and then they go to the plate. Real deliberate. They're not quick to the plate at all. And if you're a second, you can steal third base before he even decides to throw to the plate. I mean, it's just so one of those things where I watched and I, and I caught a glimpse of what uh, Andrus was doing one day. He had his glasses on, but he wasn't looking at the pitcher when he was on first. He was looking at the catcher, and he was able to pick up what the catcher was doing, and this is why these guys get great jumps. Pitchers just don't come over there quickly like they used to. So now you got time to look at the catcher. He sets up. He calls him. He, he puts the finger down. He sets up. Oh, that's a breaking ball. He's got to get in position to block it. Oh, that's a breaking ball. Boom, you go. Easy stolen base. And so they just make it so obvious, again, because the running game has been in the dark for so long. Not a guy that's starting to run. They're picking up the tendencies of the catcher more so than the pitcher. I can't even imagine what Ricky Henderson would do. Tim Ray, <laughs> uh, Maury Wills. I can't even imagine what these guys would do in this era. They were still 100 a year easy and wouldn't be tired, you know. And, I, and I'm sure the man of steel wouldn't even have to go head first. He probably could go in feet first because he would be in by 15 feet. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just amazing how Andrews gets a great jump. Marte gets a great jump. Harrison, they get great jumps because, again, they're ahead of the game right now. The game has slowed down so much that they don't worry about pitch outs. Catcher doesn't worry about setting up. And then these guys can pick it up. These guys are great base stealers. And, and they're, they're great base stealers because they pick up the little things when they're on first base or on second base. So that gives them a big advantage. And that's an advantage that the A's, they get in the playoffs. That's a big advantage that they could take, a, take advantage of in the playoffs. Do you think at some point that baseball is going to have to make changes to realize you got to control the running game or it's just going to kill you? <laughs> I think they're going to have to start working on pickoff moves again and being quick, quick footed and throwing the first base. I mean, cause we used to have guys that, that had some great moves back in our day. You couldn't just get out there and okay, I'm going to steal. They have some moves that would have you looking like, what was he doing? That's a ball. Oh, no, that's not a ball. See, that's a great call. I mean, that's a great kickoff move. And so you had to understand that even right-handers had quick feet and could step off that mound and throw the first base. So you had to always feel your toes to be able to get back. But I don't see that now. You know, you got guys who are bigger now. And so maybe they're not as swift with feet, with the foot as, with the footwork as these guys were, you know. Maybe they're 6'3", 6'5", 6'7", you know, 250 pounds. They're not going to be twinkle toes on the mound. So, you know, I think that these base runners, they just have an advantage right now. Take advantage until baseball decides that, you know what, we're going to pay a game to the run. We're going to pay attention to the running game again. So we got to work on our pickoff moves. But I don't see that coming this season. So the A's right now, Marte, Andrews, Harrison, hey, keep your track shoes on because they can steal a lot of bases. You know, back in your era, if it was August and you were hitting 213, you would be gone. You wouldn't be playing. But we're in an era now, Bip, that we got guys that full season, they're hitting under 200, around 200, below 220. Is there is there a time, do you think a player can just say, to hell with it, I'm not going to worry uh, what the average and what the scoreboard says. I'm just going to concentrate on the here and now. Is that easy to do or too tough to do? You know, Tony, you, you, you said a mouthful right there, and that's what happens. 
The guys come to the season, they start up hot, and then all of a sudden they cool off and they go down and hit rock bottom. And that's when you got to say, you know what, I'm a better player than this. And you just got to throw caution to the wind and say, whatever happens, happens. And you keep that attitude. You know, you don't become a guest hitter. You know, because I remember one time playing with Jack McKeon. I hit a fly ball to center field. And I remember running off the field and I heard him say, Robert, you keep hitting fly balls like that and you'll be sitting right next to me. Okay, I got you. We want results. We don't want this analytic, oh, he hit the ball hard four out of five times, but he was 0 for 4. I don't want that. We want results. If you hit the ball hard four times, we need two hits off those four hard hit ground balls or hard hit whatever. But I think when you see guys taking fastballs right down the middle or missing fastballs right down the middle, a lot of times it's because they're trying to pull pitches that you cannot pull. You know, you got to stay inside the ball and make solid contact. You pull breaking balls. You look for fastball and you adjust the breaking ball. The, the breaking ball speeds up your bat and now you're able to drive one out the yard. But hitters should be looking try, to try to hit the ball in the gaps. Right-handed, look the right center gap. Left-handers, look the left center gap and adjust from that. Therefore, you stay on the fastball. Did I see guys guessing because analytics say this guy throws this pitch 40% of the time. This guy throws this pitch 30% of the time. I don't care about that at all. All I want to do is see the ball, see where it's pitched, and have the muscle memory to have the swing for that pitch. I don't care what he throws. And if I get off the fastball, now I'm in jeopardy of striking out because I put myself in a situation where now I'm looking for breaking ball, and if he throws fastball, he throws it right by me. So you have to sit on fastball, and then you make adjustments to breaking ball. That's been a cardinal rule of baseball since baseball started. As far as a hitter, you never get off the fastball. You stay on it until a guy shows you he can throw his secondary pitches for call strikes. And when that happens, now you make the adjustment, look fastball, and adjust the breaking ball. You know, I think about that philosophy of taking pitches, and there was kind of that belief. It really kind of happened late 90s, early 2000s, where, hey, let, let, let's see a lot of pitches and get into the bullpen. Well, now teams want to get into their bullpen. Teams want their bullpen out there faster than ever. And, and we have seen the data shows guys are throwing strikes. So if you go yeah, up yeah. there looking, you're going to be down 0-2-1-2 really fast. And just talk about that as a hitter, how if you're always in a pitcher's count, you're in trouble. You are definitely in trouble. These relievers come in now, and they're bringing it. They're bringing that fastball, and they may have another second pitch. But as a hitter, if you go up there and you're looking, okay, I'm going to take a pitch, boom, you're 0-1. Now he's got you set up where he wants you. Now he can move the ball in our way. He can change speeds on you if he's got that secondary pitch. Or he can throw his fastball, which I still believe is the best pitch, through your weakness. Because now he's got you 0-1. He throws it to your weakness. You foul it off. Now it's 0-2. Now he comes with a secondary pitch that might be a slider, pretty good slider, that looks like a fastball in the same zone. You chase the strike three. So now you've really given him two strikes to work with instead of you having three swings. I'd rather have three swings than two than, than one swing at a pitcher who can throw 100-plus with a secondary pitch, which is a slider. So my thing is, you go up there, you know what he's going to throw. If he throws your first pitch fastball, you better be ready to jump on it. If it's a first pitch fastball and it's a ball, now if he comes back in that same zone, you should be ready for that ball. 
But if he comes back with a secondary pitch and it's not a call strike, I'm going to eliminate that pitch all the way and I'm just going to sit on fastball. So you got to have an idea and approach what it is you're trying to do. You can't make it up at the plate, even though you make adjustments to every pitch. You still have to work that approach and you work that approach because that's the what you do. As Tony Gray used to say, you do what you do at the plate and don't worry about what the other guys do. You do what you do at the plate and the most of the times you'll get good results. You know, pretty crazy. Speaking of your old teammate, Tony Gwynn, the Hall of Famer, we had Tony Gwynn Jr. on the program, and we had him on the field. And the minute he opens up his mouth, he sounds exactly like his father. <laughs> it, is, it is so, I, you know, as somebody who grew up in San Diego, Bip, and I grew up watching you guys, the minute he starts talking, you're like, oh, my God, he sounds just like his dad. It's crazy. Yeah, little Anthony sounds just like Big Tony. You know, it, it's, it is amazing. I watched a lot of the Padre games because I can get those channels. And when he's doing the game, I'm like, man, he sounds just like his dad, man. He sounds just like him. So, you know, Tony will never, uh, his voice will always be heard because it's in his son's voice. And, and little Gwen, little, little Anthony told me one day as he was in, near the end of his career, he said he didn't know what he was going to do after he retired. And I think we were doing an A's game and he was playing with, I don't know, maybe it was Texas or something. And he looked across the field and he saw me doing the pregame show. And he said, I can do that. That's what I can do. And so when I saw him at his, uh, you know, uh, Miss Templeton, uh, Gary Templeton's wife's funeral, he came up to me and he told me that story. He said, I didn't know what I was going to do until I saw you, big bro. And I, I knew what I was going to do then. So he was like, thank you for, you know, opening the door for me, one that I didn't even know could be open. And so it was just, it just made me feel good to know that, you know, little guys like that are watching what we do. And then what we're doing, they're trying to emulate or try to find their way. And if they don't know how to find their way and they look and they see one of us doing something, then they know that that's something that they can do. And so it just made me feel good to know that I helped him out, even though Pops wasn't around anymore. He still got guys around that he can look to and say, you know what, I can do what he's doing because I've been there before. And it, it just, again, it just made me feel good to hear him say that. and. I wish him all the luck in the world. Anytime he needs me, he know he knows where I'm at. Yeah, it was a great story in the Athletic about Tony Gwynn starting his career in Walla Walla, Washington, with John <laughs> Cruck, two of your old teammates. Uh, but to think about that, and, and the thing that was funny about Tony Gwynn, they all knew this guy isn't going to be here very long. Oh, they knew that. Yeah, they knew that. He comes in there back then, and Tony could run. You know, Tony could do everything. And he was just one of those guys that could have played NBA basketball, but he chose baseball. And he had played, I remember playing when he was playing at San Diego State, and he'd come right out there to the baseball field, and he just takes off like he hadn't missed any spring practice. It was just natural to him. And he just, he just knew right then that this guy is special. And when he got to the big leagues, it just carried over to his career. And as you know, eight-time batting champion and a guy that basically could hit 330 every year. And one year I watched him, and if it wasn't for the strike, he would have been the last guy to hit 400 because he was on fire that year. Well, before you get out of here, uh, we want to sell some houses. H how can people get a hold of you? 925-548-3918. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for some of those calls to come in. Uh, I'm ready to work. You know, it's the, the market is hot. If you want to put your house up, we can get you almost three times what it's worth. And if you want to buy one, We'll have to bid on those houses. This is a tough market right now, but it's good for both buyers and sellers. 
We just have to find the right deal. But there's homes out there to be bought and there's homes out there to be sold. So give me a call at 925-548-3918 and we'll get it done. You are the best, Pipster. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Be safe. All right, County. Enjoy the ball game tonight, my friend. Well, we'd like to thank Andrew Bailey, Glenn Kuyper, and Bip Roberts for stopping by A's Cast Live. Thank you for listening to A's Unfiltered. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.